Hello everyone, welcome to Random Encounter 249 or 249. My name is John O'Logan and greetings from Nova Scotia. Uh, I am here in Nova Scotia on my yearly month-long visit with my parents. Uh, it is absolutely gorgeous here. It's The temperature has finally dropped, so we're like around, I don't know, 20 to 25 degrees every day. It's really, really nice after having almost 40 degrees. These numbers mean nothing to you if you are from America. Speaking of America, I have two people from a central time zone in America here. Uh, I am two hours ahead of them in Atlantic time. Uh, first up is Caitlin. Hi. Um, yeah, I have to admit you said 25 and I was like, uh, that's cold. And then I was like, oh, right. Canada. Yeah, Canada, the land of Celsius, the land of Celsius. Yeah, you guys are two hours behind me. So Atlantic Atlantic time is one hour ahead of Eastern and then Newfoundland time is a half hour ahead of us because it's Newfoundland. Also joining us is Brian. Hey, Brian. Hello. So uh, I'm in Nova Scotia and I'm, you know, visiting my parents. And I don't know what it's like when either of you visit your parents or visit family, but I'm always trying to figure out ways to kill time because I don't really have anything to do uh, aside from like organize my old toys. Like last year, I organized my entire Lego collection, which took an entire month because I had a lot of Lego. So I think I'm going to do some of, try to get through some of my uh, classic adventure game backlog while I'm here because I only have my laptop with me. So I don't exactly have any a graphically intensive system. Uh, what do you two usually play when you're visiting family or friends? Do you take your Switch or if you're an extremely lucky person, your Steam Deck with you? That is what I did the last time I went down to Austin as I brought my Steam Deck with me. Um, in the past, though, yeah, I've, I've taken my Switch with me. Um, sometimes even just like... Uh, Bring my, my iPad and play some Apple Arcade games. I like Apple Arcade. I don't love Apple Arcade, but I like Apple Arcade. Brian, how about you? When I uh, when I leave Austin to visit my family, um, <laughs> I, I these days I don't bring a console with me anymore. Um, usually I bring a laptop, but I don't always have a ton of downtime. Uh, when I do, usually I just uh, play whatever low performance game I can play on a laptop. Uh, usually Resident Evil or something recently. Uh, classic Resident Evil. Uh, on my iPad, the game I've been looking at is uh, Octopath Traveler Champions of the Continent finally came out, and I'm tempted to dig into it to see. I, I just, fingers crossed, it's more Octopath Traveler than, you know, kind of money grab gotcha. I don't know. It, it looks really pretty. It uses the same art style. Yeah, the interview that we ran recently uh, sounded promising. Yeah, and uh, Sam's going to be reviewing it for us too, so we'll have some coverage on that. Um, yeah, so I'm going to be playing adventure games, really like narrative focus games and a very, very interesting narrative focus game got released, uh, actually just a couple of days ago. Uh, well, at least the first episode of it got released. It is a game called We Are OFK. Uh, now this is a game that is being promoted as a music biopic game that tells the story of the creation of an indie pop band. Uh, and it took me a little while to try to figure out if OFK was like a real band or not. Uh, it turns out to be a virtual band uh, that the creators of this game uh, created. They created the characters, but it's real music. Like the music is real. You can stream it. You can watch music videos. Eventually, there will be a physical release of the album. And Caitlin, you uh, you tackled We Are OFK. And uh, what, what's your take on what uh, Team OFK is trying to do here? Uh, I think that what they're trying to do here is sort of like the next step in the uh, the sort of, uh, if you've ever seen like uh, or, or heard of the Monkees from the 60s, the, the band that uh, basically started with a TV show about 
a band. Yes, I believe they I believe they monkey around. Yeah, they monkey around. Um, or if you've seen something more recent like um, Smash on NBC, which was about a bunch of people coming together to make uh, not one, but two musicals. Um, and they actually, you know, they recorded the music and they released it on streaming services and you could buy it and whatnot. It feels like it's kind of taking that concept and, and moving it from TV to a slightly more interactive medium in video games because it's it's the same idea. The the characters that are, that are the band members are fictional. They're not they're not real people, but they're voiced by real people. And those people collaborated together to write and compose and record the actual music. Um, so for instance, the character who plays the, uh, who plays Luca, who is the, the composer, the lyricist and provides the vocals for the band, uh, is voiced by Teddy DF, who you might re- uh, recognize of hyper, uh, light drifter fame. Um, and he not only voices the character, but he also does the vocals and he, uh, worked with, uh, writing the lyrics and, and, you know, recording with their sound team. And it's going to be, you know, you can already buy at least, uh, as of this recording, at least one of their songs. And I presume that by the time all five episodes are released, you'll be able to buy the, uh, the EP, you know, it, it's a virtual band. It's a fictional story of how a fictional or virtual band got together to make uh their music but the music's real and you can buy it and uh i certainly would like to think that this will be the start of like maybe more seasons or just more albums or whatnot because it's really good music i loved every uh single track that i got to experience it kind of reminds me of a very a much more modern contemporary take on uh like uh, that thing you do, for example, where it, it's it's charting the story of creation uh, to success or whatever the ending is. I don't know what it is of this band and like with actual songs behind it, like not using uh, hits. That it, it's using original music. Yes, yeah. To tell the story, and that's yeah. that's really really cool. Also, because that thing you do is one of my favorite movies, so I like that idea. Yeah, and it's uh, it's I think it's pretty relatable, um, even if you know you've never made a band or done music. I think we've all kind of had that, that dream at one point, especially if you, you know, have been in any way, shape or form involved in music, like in, you know, school or you had piano lessons or you just like to sing in the the shower. I think we all at one point are like, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if my friends and I could get together and, and make a band. And there's lots of the, the writing is, it, it feels very natural. There's lots of pop culture references. The characters uh, feel relatable. Um, Luca is actually at the beginning of the, uh, the, the game. He's kind of very unhappy working for a, uh, a AAA video game developer. So, and there's, mm. there's, I think, some intentional commentary in the earlier episodes about um, since the the working conditions and uh, the, the 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 trials and tribulations of trying to be in the video game industry, so I thought that was an interesting way to transition uh, his character and the band in general from that you know kind of world into the music world. The, the the writing is really good. I loved the writing. I loved how uh, down to earth it all felt. Uh, the the performances from all the voice actors. 
um, some of whom I'd never heard of before. And then there were other uh, characters who were voiced by uh, people that I, I know and love. Uh, they were all good performances. And it seems like um, Team OFK made a concerted effort to get people to voice the characters that were like, you know, the same uh, racial identity. So like Itsumi Saito is the uh, one of the band members. She's the, the keyboardist. Um, and she's a Japanese American uh, who's sort of struggling to find herself and, and, and work on her piano work and, and figure out what she wants to do after a bad breakup. And she's voiced by a Japanese American actress and so on and so forth. I thought that was a really nice thing that they could do. Authentic. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned that there's some, uh, some pretty good queer representation in the game as well. Yeah. Um, there's, I mean, pretty much every member of the band is queer in one way or another. Um, and it's, it's not really, it's not focused on, like it's not part of the, um, it's not a, an issue that comes up for the characters to resolve. There's no, there's no bigotry that they have to, uh, deal with, which, you know, on the one hand is, you know, maybe ideal because it doesn't often work that way for queer people in real life to just be able to live their lives like normal, you know, human beings. Um, but on the other hand, it's nice that, you know, we could have this nice queer cast and, you know, just let, have them let them live their lives and mm. be happy as their authentic selves without there being a conflict that they deal with where they have to defend themselves or experience uh, bigotry in the process so absolutely i mean i first noticed this game last year in a uh in a playstation state of play and it really grabbed my attention i thought it looked really really cool at the time we didn't know whether or not it was going to be in our coverage as it turns out it's i mean very narrative focused uh so it kind of slipped in there and i'm really really glad i did uh it did there's uh, a very interesting release schedule for this game rather than releasing it in uh, one big block, they are kind of taking almost a Telltale Games type approach with five episodes being released over the next few weeks. Uh, now, you played all of them. Uh, you got them a little bit ahead of time. And I believe that there's going to be a new song that's released with each episode, right? Yes. So uh, the release structure, again, it kind of, you know, like I said, taking that that idea from a TV show and putting it into a video game. So the the episodic nature of the game, but the fact that they're coming out in a short period of time kind of lends itself to that idea of, hey, this is sort of like a TV show. There's even an opening um, credit scene for every episode like you would have on a TV show. Oh, that's nice. And every episode ends with a new song, which will be one of the five songs that's on the, the full EP. Um, and those songs are kind of cool because you, you, you're you not just listening to them. You're also, um, I'm going to say at first, watching a music video, but you're not just watching either. You're also participating because you get to do these little mini games what uh, in time with the music. So there, there are various different scenes and they'll cut and change as you know, you sing and go through the verse and then the refrain and whatnot. And you get to do cute little things like uh, one of them has you uh, skateboarding. Another has you randomly rescuing cats and depositing them in a rescued cat depositor thingy and they're all they're all uh each one uh, well most of them focus on a specific character and the songs uh seem to sort of be like you know kind of uh se semi-related to the issues that that character is going through mm. um 
but they're just they're cute little diversions. There's not there's nothing uh, serious or complex about them. As far as I can tell, you can't fail. There's no fail state. You just you you, you could potentially just let you know don't touch the controller and just watch if you want. But that would be boring. So. Uh, you know, it's nice to have that interactivity. It's not the most responsive gameplay. Um, some of it is a little stiff and mm. awkward, but considering that the entire rest of the gameplay of this game consists of dialogue choices, uh, it's not like I necessarily expected for there to be this deep, super smooth, you know, kind of gameplay. I didn't expect anything really so Mm. it was honestly a kind of nice surprise when i started the first song and i realized oh wait i can move the character oh wait i can do things oh wow so okay that's pretty cool when i I first started the interactive music videos my first thought was like kind of like yakuza karaoke but it's a little bit more in depth than that it's not just a rhythm game yeah it's it's pretty random uh the only rhythm part of it comes like you have different little scenes in each music video and as the song moves from like the verse to the bridge or the bridge to the refrain or whatnot, you'll have a, you'll, you'll jump to a different scene. So in that sense, there's technically a rhythmic nature to it, but it's nothing where like you have to press buttons in time with the beat or, or do stuff like that. It's all, you know, like I said, kind of random. It's, you're doing the kind of things that if you were watching the music video, you'd be watching a character in the music video do it's just you have control over where they go or what they do and there are achievements related so you know like getting x amount of things in one music video will get you an achievement so there's a little bit of replay value there for people who want to you know get the uh, i said achievements i should have said trophies because i i played it on playstation um (laughs) but uh yeah that kind of thing um which is nice uh, because as much as I like those music videos, it's hard to like it, we we call this a narrative game, and it does generally fit that mold of a narrative adventure. Except that in most narrative adventure games, you have at least some control over the plot. Like you, your choices you make can affect how things play out, and that's part of the the draw and the replay value is to see what you do changes things and then maybe go back and play it again. There is, as far as I can tell, there is no, your choices don't affect anything in the story. Characters will obviously respond differently to the things that you say, and they may reference something that you say later on, but you don't have any control over how the story goes. It's always going to go in the direction that it's going every time you play it. Oh, that's that's a missed opportunity because the dynamics, the inherent personal dynamics of a band are so interesting. It would have been really cool if uh, the way you responded to individuals had shaped the relationships within that band. Yeah, yeah, and I I don't know it. On the one hand, I, I guess they were thinking this is the story we want to tell, and we have five songs that we want to release, and we need to hit these notes in the story in order for these songs to make sense. And if we gave the player the the ability to say, make choices that break the band apart, then how does the last episode end with a random song from a band that no longer, you know, exists? So I get it. But at the same time, you know, I I was kind of expecting a little bit more uh, interactivity in that sense. Mm. It's still a really, I like the story. It, uh, I think I mentioned uh, in my review that it kind of meanders a little bit in the back half. Um, 
it feels almost like they're trying to stretch. Uh, there, there, there is a uh, a central conflict that occurs midway through the story that the, everyone has to uh, sort of make uh, make their peace with and deal with in order to you know reach that point of okay we're a band now. Um, and it feels like they tried to string that that uh, that conflict out as long as possible so they could resolve it at the very last minute. And that's so there's there's a bit of um, time that they spend in this in the uh, latter half of the story that feels like it's you know spinning the wheels a little bit and then Killing time. yeah, killing time so that they can string it out for five episodes and then so that everything resolves kind of a little bit too quickly. It almost feels like at the end, I would have liked a little bit more uh, time after the, the major, the, you know, the climax of uh, the, the resolution of the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still in overall enjoyed the story and the characters. And even though my choices didn't really affect the story, I still had a lot of fun selecting them because Half of them are in, are like, you know, you're, you're selecting text responses on your phone and they did a good job of just like, you know, faithfully kind of replicating the craziness with which people can often engage in, in text chat. Um, (laughs) You know, the, the sort of randomness and the spelling or, or the lack of spelling and lack of capitalization and all that. Lack of punctuation. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I mean, there were plenty of times where I was like, oh, I kind of like all of these. Which one do I pick? And I did have some laugh out loud moments at, you know, the responses to my choices. So it was still fun. Um, But, you know, I guess part of it is, again, this is kind of a, this is a different kind of experience for a narrative adventure game Mm. um, by design. I think, you know, they, they, they're they're not kidding when they say this is a, this is a biopic game. This is a music biopic. Like, I don't know. I've, I've never heard of anyone else making a, a music biopic game. I think this is the first. So, you know, this is going to be kind of a different experience probably than even, you know, someone who plays a lot of narrative adventure games might expect. Yeah. And I totally understand why they would, not want, for example, you to be able to break the band up. I mean, not only is that a different story than they want to tell, but also, like you said, the main selling point of the game is, realistically speaking, the music, the songs. Uh, As of this recording, which is, uh, this is two days before the first episode comes out, uh, they only have one single out. Uh, It's available for stream. It's called Follow Slash Unfollow, and it is available on most streaming platforms. I've listened to it. It's a pretty cool song. Uh, there's a music video online. Uh, they performed it at the Game Awards a while back. So uh, if you want to check that out on YouTube, you can if you want to get a feel for kind of the look of the game and the sound of the game. Uh, the other four songs, how are they? Are they good? They are. Uh, I, follow on Follow is probably my favorite. Um, and the others, uh, I definitely, out of the remaining four songs, I, there are... Um, there's one that I there's a couple that I like more than the others, but I still like all of them, and I definitely want to pick up like the full EP uh, as soon as like as soon as you can buy the whole thing, all all five songs together. I want I want to grab it. So um, it's uh, it's it's you know to, to try to describe the sound. It's definitely got it's a pop kind of uh, feel, um, nice beats. Um, some, you know, there's some uh, good synth work going on there. Uh, it's hard to like, I guess, really like say, okay, it's 
it's like this artist because honestly, I listen to a lot more video game music than I do pop music these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought all of them were catchy. Uh, I replayed every song multiple times after finishing each episode. And it's a nice thing about the game is um, you can do that from the main menu. Once you finish an episode, you can actually select the song by itself if you want just to just replay it by itself. That's a nice quality of life feature. Yeah. And I mean, there's a couple of other really nice quality of life features. Like by default, the game gives you a limited amount of time to select responses, but you can also tell the game to give you unlimited time. And I actually really appreciate that because I don't usually care for limited time responses in my narrative adventure games. I don't like the pressure that that puts on me to mm. pick something. Um, but yeah, so I definitely, I played the the music video several times uh, to just really s- sit and listen to the music again. So um, I like it. If you're curious if about what their sound is like, and since I'm not probably doing a very good job explaining it, definitely uh, check out uh uh, follow unfollow that's a good representation and it is ultimately i think my favorite of the five songs so yeah they really put their best foot forward with that one yeah yeah um something that i really really like about uh the is the look of the game i think it's it, it's very very stylized it actually reminds me an awful lot of uh the art style from ghost trick which is one of my favorite uh ds adventure games um, it looks a lot like Ghost Trick, actually, like a more three-dimensional version of it. I've never played Ghost Trick, so uh, I'll take your word for it, but yeah. If you are curious, there is a retro uh, episode on it. Uh, I think you might like it, actually. It's it's a pretty darn cool game. Nice. But, uh, I'll it, have to add it to my very long list of backlog games. <laughs> oh, no. Yes, the backlog. I've just the backlog. It's, it's just so huge. I know. Um, yeah, I remember... Um, when they announced this game, uh, when they with the reveal trailer, I think the visuals were one of the the first things. Uh, I mean, obviously because you know the, the one of the first things. This is the very first thing you see, really. Uh, this the, the the beautiful sort of minimalist but style highly stylistic uh, character models. Um, the backgrounds are colorful and look you know like they're they look like really nice visual novel style backgrounds. Um, the characters themselves, uh, you know, despite the minimalist sort of nature, they have a lot of character. They're, you know, I, I had to make a stupid joke. Um, <laughs> and they animate uh, a little bit. Uh, it's not it's not as, like, nice and smooth as maybe it could be, but it's kind of a, a neat effect of having a static background but having the characters move around a little bit. Um, yeah, you mentioned it's, it's, a, it's a little bit more detailed than uh, a, a standard uh, visual novel. Yeah, yeah. Like it, uh, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel quite like talking heads, which is what a lot of visual novels usually boil down to is mm-hmm. static character art and, and dialogue. Um, having said that, most scenes, the characters are kind of sitting in the same place and they might move around a little bit, but they're, they don't move in the scene very much and there's not a lot of activity in most scenes that involves you know them walking or moving or grabbing things or whatnot so in that sense it is kind of still like talking heads but it feels more um cinematic is probably not the right word but it definitely feels more uh like something you might see on you know a tv or a tv show or whatnot as opposed to 
you know, the very, uh, like I said, static kind of idea behind most visual novels of, of just character portraits. What do you think is the potential for a, well, I was going to say a sequel, but I guess the, the best equivalent would be a follow-up album. I'd really like it. Um, I, I, you know, I read up a little bit about the idea behind this as I was playing and uh, as I was drafting the review. Um, so it's, but I didn't really necessarily, I don't remember seeing or reading anything about, you know, what was, what's the long-term, like the future plans of Team OFK. I certainly hope that this will be maybe the first season of maybe multiple seasons and maybe each season is an album or something like that. Yeah. Because this is a, they're releasing an EP, so it's not going to be like a full album, but yeah, five songs or five songs. Yeah. Yeah. I would certainly love another, you know, combination of another five episodes to further tell us the story of these characters, uh, uh, released alongside more songs. Um, but even if it's just like, you know, I don't know, these, I'd say this team has a future in just songwriting if they just wanted to, you know, have this be the launch vehicle for a band and then, you know, do do the music. I think that would be cool too. Yeah. Uh, one of the coolest things when I was doing the research on the game is their website, uh, which is uh, Team OFK. Down at the bottom here, they actually have... Uh, art of everyone who is working on the game. So it's a small team, uh, but they have like very style. They have all of the artists and like character designers and composers uh, with art that looks like it's from in game. It's really cool. Yeah. And there's, oh, I mentioned that there's a opening credits. There's also closing credits for every episode and you get to see those uh, sort of those artistically hand-drawn character portraits for uh, all of the crew as well. Um, which was a nice little touch. Uh, so the, some of a lot of those people that you see who are in the dev team are also characters in the universe ah. uh, of the story. Like for instance, the the um, the two people who are involved in helping them write the songs, the songwriters basically, uh, are literally songwriters in the game. Uh, that you even get, to, I think there's at one point you get to chat with them a little bit. So there's kind of this merging of well, we're a dev team in real life, but we're telling the story of a band coming together and we're going to have some of our uh, dev team members be characters uh, in in this world that we're creating. See, I, I love that. One of the things that drives me a little crazy about video games and actually art in general is the anonymity often of the people in the background, the people, the camera people, or in the case of video games, the programmers, the character animators, the the sound designers and composers. The fact that they're really putting a spotlight on everyone in this team uh, on the website and in the game, that's really, really cool to me. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, this is a game that I, I, like I said, it caught my eye when I first saw it uh, last year. It's a game that I really, really hope does well uh, because it's doing something new. It's doing something very new. Uh, it seems like it is a remarkable team of passionate people who are behind it. Um, and I personally relate to a lot of what's going on here because I am from a performing background. Um, I suppose my question, my last question just about the game and just for me, one of my favorite things about performing uh, and, and singing, acting and, and doing that back when I did it was uh, a sense of found family. It's a sense of finding your friends and developing very close relationships within that and feeling like you belong somewhere. Um, 
I feel like this game might have elements of that in the story. Am I right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, Each of these characters has their own hangups. And none of... So none of them necessarily have families who are complete pieces of shit. Like they... In that sense, they're, they're all, you know, at least a little bit lucky that none of them have had to basically just, you know, uh, leave their families uh, because their families are are, are dangerous or, or, or not good for them. But there's a varying degree of support from these characters' families, um, some of whom I think just the game is good about showing just don't quite understand their children hmm. uh, very well or and, and aren't really interested necessarily in trying to. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's definitely an element of these characters are coming together they're, you know, some of them are friends at the start. Others become friends, and you know, at, in, at the end of the day, they all choose to to be friends and to support each other, uh, even after some um, some dramatic mm-hmm. goes down uh, midway through. And at the end of the day, I mean, like, I, not, I you know, I don't. No spoilers. But. No spoilers, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's about a band making their first EP, so you know that. They're, they 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 got together at the end. Mm. Um, they're coming together and embarking on this, you know, uh, uh, I- exciting but also uh, uncertain sort of uh, um, uh, what's what I'm looking for. This uncertain project. Uh, project yeah because i mean this is set in the modern day la this is a world where you know there are lots of artists and everybody dreams about you know becoming a rock star and making it big and the uncertainty of whether or not you're good enough or special enough or it's going to be anything is an undercurrent throughout the game and at the end of the day this is about a bunch of friends who are who come together and say hey we're gonna we're gonna go for it Let's, yeah. let, let's go for it. Let's make let's let's make a band. Let's make a band. And there's the digital cat, so there's something for everyone. Yes. There's a digital cat who I love very much. And <laughs> even though I'm pretty sure that there's nothing realistic about the technology involved in said cat, I wish it was real because I want my own. <laughs> I I understand. Uh, Amanda has wanted a digital cat for quite some time, just because I'm allergic to the real ones. Um Well, like I said, it's really nice to see a game that is trying to do something new uh, and succeed on a variety of levels. Uh, You very much enjoyed the game, Caitlin. Uh, Another game that I guess is trying something something old but in a new way is uh, a game called Runes Magus. Um, If you own a VR platform... You are probably, you know, very familiar with games like Half-Life Alyx or Beat Saber, Resident Evil 7, for example. They all offer uh, immersive and substantial experiences for these VR platforms. Uh, And there are like smaller games and things like that. However, one genre that has been missing on VR platforms uh, are JRPGs Um, for a number of reasons. I imagine there's, you know, a a lot of work that goes into a JRPG, but there is this game, Runes Magus, is uh, trying to change that. It is a fully featured JRPG that's available on VR headsets. And Brian, you dove into this. Uh, Why don't you tell me a little bit about Runes Magus? Yeah, Uh, Runes Magus, like you said, is 
basically the only complete JRPG that I could find on VR devices. I mean, there's some smaller ones or some that are essentially like closer to tech demos than full games. Mm. But if you want to play a JRPG in VR, Ruins Magus is the game you're going to play. Yeah, I mean, there are other RPGs on this platform. For example, there are uh, extensive ports of both Skyrim and Fallout, but those are different kind of RPGs. We're talking JRPGs here. Yes, and, and Ruins Magus is very much your classical... Uh, like very tropey JRPG. And I mean that in a good way. That's kind of what mm. I wanted, right? I was like, I want to go in VR. I want to be immersed in a in a JRPG world. And I think it it starts off, it makes a really good first impression where you're walking into this fantasy town and there's wizards around you and funny magic contraptions and you pass by people and they wave to you and it's VR so you can wave back and it's not like a button <laughs> press, you physically wave. And I love that. I think that's fun. Um, and it's supported by these great character designs too. Uh, one of the first NPCs you meet, you walk up to the receptionist desk in town and you talk to this uh, quirky little character named Reception. <laughs> <laughs> and that's your main quest giver for the game. And I love stuff like that. It's a little cheesy, but it's funny. I like that. And the other thing I'll, I'll say that they did well with the immersion when you get into town is all of the NPCs that actually talk to you will like make different expressions based on what people are saying. So there's like a good reason to look back and forth between characters to see like what funny face your NPC companions are making uh, when other people are talking. Yeah, that's the reason why we... Or, you know, people get excited about VR. It's because of those moments where you you get to experience things in a way that uh, a first-person RPG can't really offer, at least not with that level of being there. Yeah, it's just, it, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but just things like physically waving, it's so different than pressing a button to me. I mean, my I, to be completely honest, in full disclosure, my uh, experience with VR was, I think I had my 12th birthday party uh, at a like VR cafe in New Glasgow. And obviously things have evolved quite a bit since then because that birthday party, I, I think like no one could wear the helmet more than like for two minutes because it was too heavy and everyone got sick. So <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm hoping that VR is a little bit more, uh, the, the experience it offers is a little bit more immersive and less uh, you know disappointing than that. Yes, I would say we've made some advances in Just that a few. front. Uh, I will say this was one of the first VR games I played, and they're definitely like, I think motion sickness is still going to be a thing for most people when they first play a game. And I don't think it's the game's fault because I got it with every game for the first week or so of having the device. Mm -hmm. um, but it's definitely something that I think people are going to have to get used to, especially uh, there's a dash button in this game. Oh. So this is the only VR game I've played where you can like, be running around and then dash. And that spun my head a little bit at first. Mm -hmm. I can imagine, yeah. But yeah, so getting back to kind of the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay. So you you enter town, you you meet Reception, uh, and you meet your main companion NPC, Iris, and you get your magic gauntlet and hat, and you're ready to start dungeon crawling. Mm -hmm. uh, and they send you down to a dungeon, uh, and you start fighting some monsters. And the way that the combat works is you use both hands the whole time. Your right hand is your magic hand. You have a cool magic gauntlet, and you have kind of like a bolt attack, which you just aim and shoot, uh, and a special attack, which changes depending on what element your gauntlet is attuned to. So like the default one is kind of like a fire grenade. You throw it, and it makes a big area of fire. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's a bunch of different ones you can unlock 
as you play the game. Um, and that works really well. It's fun doing the magic. It takes a little bit of getting used to the arcing weapons, like when you have to throw the fire grenade, mm-hmm. uh, just because there's no weight to it. So it's hard to figure out, like, how hard do I need to throw this to, to get it to land where I want it to land? Mm-hmm. But once you get used to it, you know, that's great, too. Uh, and then you also have your your consumables that you can just grab off your chest, like a potion or an actual grenade. Uh, and then your left hand is your shield, which you can use to guard most attacks. And then there's also a countering system where if you hit the parry button uh, right as an attack hits you, you can bounce it back at enemies. And that adds a little bit of, you know, nice complexity to the combat. Um, now, the problem with the combat is that you fight the same few monsters for basically the entire game. Oh, no. Uh, there's a flying monster, a big monster, and a ground-based monster, and that's kind of it. Do they have different colors? or, or... They, they do. Sometimes you get a different color one or one that looks a little different, but fundamentally, they all basically do the same thing. Once you've oh. played the first couple hours, the regular enemies don't really have much more to offer you in terms of gameplay. That's disappointing. I mean, when I was, I watched some gameplay online uh, and it struck me that while the town looks fantastic and like the individual characters, I mean, they're anime characters, they look terrific. Uh, The actual dungeons and the standard enemies in those dungeons are kind of drab and boring. Well, that's really the kind of the fatal flaw. I actually, I don't hate how the dungeons and monsters look, but I hate that it's how all of the dungeons and Mm -hmm. monsters look. Like it would be one thing if the first dungeon had this kind of gray palette with blue highlights, um, or if a couple dungeons had that, but it's every dungeon. Oh gosh. So that, that got a little grating for me after a while. I will say what worked well were the boss fights. The boss fights all have unique designs, so they're all, you know, kind of a pleasure after you've been fighting the same enemies for a while. Pleasure or relief. Yeah. (laughs) And they have their unique attack patterns that you have to learn. They're definitely the best part of the game is the boss fights to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, after combat, you go back up to town. And like you said, the town is really beautiful. The problem with the town is you go in and it looks like this big town, right? You enter it. It looks like there's a lot of town. You go to the receptionist desk. Uh, There's a very small area that you're allowed to walk around in. Oh, no. That's so invisible walls. It's invisible walls, too. And this is where we get into some of the problem with where I don't think this game like fully takes advantage of what VR has to offer, because to me, immersion is the big thing that you get out of being in VR. And Mm -hmm. you're really pulled out of that when you're running into invisible walls, when you have to go somewhere instead of walking there and opening a door, you're like pointing at a sign and fast traveling to it. It just doesn't quite get there uh, for the full immersion for me. No, unless you're playing like, I don't know, a mime simulator, running into an invisible wall is not what you want in VR. Yeah. And there's even some moments that that were kind of baffling to me in terms of where I really thought they made a choice that took away from immersion. And it's little things like in the beginning, when you get your cool magic hat, your NPC companion hands it to you and you physically grab it. So naturally, I'm holding this hat. What I want to do is put it on my head, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. As you would do with a hat. But you don't get to. (laughs) What? 
you just hold on to it until like the until your character puts it on themselves. Oh, well, that's uh, annoying. And there's all sorts of little stuff like that where it's not a big deal, but it just feels like a missed opportunity. Yeah, you mentioned in the review there are times where uh, rather than walk through a door, your character just kind of decides to go through the door themselves, taking control away from you and how incredibly disconcerting that can be when you feel like you're the one who is the character. Yeah, and it just feels at times that they do it when they don't need to. Mm. Uh, like, there's a part towards the beginning where you're running away from a big monster and there's a hole that you're obviously running to. Like, you're going to run to the hole, you're going to jump in the hole. Uh, and you get to the hole and you can't jump in. You have to wait until the monster gets close enough that your character <laughs> jumps in for you. Oh. Um, and I, I just don't like that. <laughs> mm. I see. So it's really limiting. I was going to say player choice, but like it just, it's very immersion breaking when your character takes control of themselves. Yes. I, and I will say to its credit, it also does some little things very well. Like I think it has my favorite potions I've ever used in video games. And it's not even like they're that complex. It's just you grab them and you do a drinking motion and then you're holding an empty bottle. Uh, and this is my favorite part. You can throw the empty bottle and it doesn't do anything. Like it just shatters against wherever you throw it. But I think that's so fun. Oh, wow. I love that. Yeah, that's what you want out of a VR game. Yeah. You want to be, uh, in my mind, you want to be put into a world and you can interact with that world in ways that you would expect. Exactly. And I think the best VR games do that like some of the other really good ones that i've played really let you be pretty free with the controls like i'm going to bring up resident evil 4 vr you can grab whatever weapon with whatever hand you want you can grab items off of your body and start juggling them if you want and that's awesome or like i remember when half-life elix came out and people were like wow this piano actually works exactly so that's like the kind of stuff that i really like in vr and this doesn't quite get there and Without taking advantage of that, it's just kind of a mundane JRPG. And that's kind of the shame of it. Like, I understand this is not a massive developer, so obviously they have limited resources. But I feel like the key when you have limited resources to creating experience that doesn't seem like it has limited resources. Like, if you can see the town, your instinct as a player is going to be, I want to go there. And if you can't, that becomes incredibly annoying. So it's almost better to offer a more limited environment. Yeah, I think it would have gone a long way if they just make the town smaller. <laughs> mm. But like, you know, let me walk around the whole thing um, or have less dungeons, but maybe a few more enemy types. Uh, even if it would have made the game shorter, I think that would have gone a long way. Well, uh, let me ask you about the characters of the game, because I mean, obviously, characters and character development are the most important parts of JRPGs in my mind, like who are your party members? Or I guess they're not party members. I guess they're your companion character. Uh, but like NPCs, like how are these characters? Are they developed? Do they have voice acting? I like them. They do have good. Well, the voice acting is in Japanese. Oh, uh, so I was about to say the voice acting is good, which it's good to me. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but but I never quite know how to judge voice acting in languages that I don't understand. Maybe it would sound silly to someone that speaks Japanese, but it sounds good to me. I completely understand. Is it weird? Is it weird dealing with like, well, in that case, I guess it would be subtitles or just dialogue boxes in VR? Surprisingly not. It's just kind of glued to the bottom of your screen and you can click through it, which I thought would annoy me, but it really didn't. Okay. Uh, I would prefer if you could dub it just 
again for that immersion factor like i'd rather there's just not be a text box but it wasn't a big deal i didn't find it mm -hmm. um but yeah i really like the characters especially your main companion character iris who i'm calling a companion character and not a party member because she doesn't do anything in the dungeons um she's kind of almost like a navi character oh but but not annoying well I was about to say, I feel like some people are probably going to find her annoying because she's like this really bubbly anime girl that is constantly telling you to do stuff. Uh, but I thought she was funny. I think she makes funny faces. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I enjoyed having her along, especially because, you know, you're doing these dungeons solo. And I think I would have gotten bored without someone talking to me while I do them. So I appreciated her presence in the game for sure. You know, it's interesting to me that the combat in this game and in, it seems like in most uh, VR games is it's action. It's, it's an action RPG. Um, whereas it seems to me that part of the problem with VR is, you know, moving around. I It, it just seems like standard turn-based combat like you would find in a... Uh, a Square Enix game like Final Fantasy, one of the classic Final Fantasies, would be actually a fairly decent match for VR because you're kind of stationary looking at the field. But that doesn't seem to be where they're going with that. They they want it to be much more interactive. I, I think it could be fun to have a turn-based RPG in VR. I get why they trend towards an action RPG because, you know, kind of the selling point of VR is that you get to swing the sword or you get to shoot the magic, right? Yeah, it's the same thing as in like 3D films where they like open up a thing of uh, spring snakes at the screen to make you jump. It's they, they kind yeah, of, yeah. They kind of exploit the medium, but not in a way that's very organic sometimes. But I wonder if they could maybe do something almost like the Paper Mario games where it's a turn-based RPG, but there's some action you can take during the attacks um, to make them do extra damage or something. Yeah. To add a little interactivity there. Um, I would enjoy something like that, I think. Yeah, or maybe something like, well, I guess this would be in Fallout 4, how that would work in 3D would be, or in uh, VR would be very interesting. But yeah, I, I know I've been pretty negative on the game here, but I do want to say that actual combat is fun. Uh, shooting the magic, throwing your special attacks is really enjoyable. I like trying the different spells. You get a cool ice turret that I particularly enjoyed. Huh. And the boss fights are great. I just wish there was a little more variety and maybe the world was a bit bigger. Um, but it's actually, I would say, if you're really into JRPGs and VR, it's still worth a play. It's it's kind of your only option right now. This seems much more like a foundation to build off rather than a kind of end product. Yeah, I mean, it is a complete game. Oh, it's a complete game. I, I just mean the concept of it. Yes, yes. It definitely feels like someone could take what's here and kind of build on it and make a bigger project. Um, but the, the base of what's here is fun. I just wish there was more. Yeah. Also, I wish the... The controls can be a little dicey at times, too. The The big sin for me, there's no left-handed mode. Oh. Which I'm not left-handed, but I really feel like these games, should, like, if you're going to do a VR game where you have to use both hands, I really feel like there should be a left-handed mode. Yeah. That does seem like an oversight. Or, or like they ran out of time to program it in. Yeah. And then inventory management can also be a little messy. Oh, All yeah. of your items live in this one slot on your chest, which is okay when you have two items um, and you press a button to pick which one is active. 
Uh, but when you have four or five items, it becomes like kind of tricky to cycle through them. So I was wishing that there would be like different slots on your body to grab things from, um, as that's what some other VR games do. So it could be like your potion is on your chest, but your grenades are on your hip or something like that. Yeah, that makes sense for inventory management, actually having the inventory on you. Yeah, and then it also makes it so that like, it, it like removes a layer of abstraction. Like I'm not pressing a button to cycle through the inventory. I'm grabbing the item off my hip because that's where it is. You know, mm -hmm. it just yeah. adds a, makes you feel a little more in the game. I mean, I'm reading between the lines here, but it sounds like your biggest criticism is while the game is kind of fun, it often breaks immersion. It breaks immersion in a way that kind of really hurts it because it's VR. And if they could just figure out ways around that, it would be a much stronger overall experience. Yeah, I think just as a JRPG, like as a game mechanically, it's not quite interesting enough. And as a VR game, it's not quite immersive enough. And if it could be better in either way, I would be a bigger fan of the game. It seems like it could be more and it might be at some point but like you said it gives a great first impression like when you first drop into this world and then it just doesn't seem to live up to that impression and you know some games do that vr or not yeah i will say to its credit uh at least the colorful town the neat characters at least it makes that good first impression mm. like there is cool stuff in the game uh you know for me to be disappointed by it it's only because the first 30 minutes made me really excited <laughs> yeah VR is such an interesting uh, platform, and I know there are a number of different VR headsets, but it's so interesting because while there are a lot of games that are being, uh, I guess, ported to VR, like, for example, uh, Resident Evil 4 or Resident Evil, I guess, Resident Evil 7 and 8 were actually designed with kind of, they knew they were going to do VR anyway, so I guess it was more in there, but uh, converting Fallout 4, for example, or Skyrim, like these are massive massive experiences that were never designed for vr and i to be completely honest i cannot imagine trying to play fallout 4 in vr i i have trouble uh, imagining it. it takes a lot of mods <laughs> i i have the fallout 4 vr and, and some of the ports definitely work better than others uh fallout 4 is okay like more mods than fallout 4 already requires <laughs> uh, well at least base fallout 4 is a functional game at least like uh, I can click man. play and and I can play the whole game and only have a few game breaking bugs. Yeah, you say that I wouldn't want to try to play the base game of uh, Fallout 4 without a fan mod, uh, without a fan uh, patch mod on there. Yeah, but the, the VR one, I mean, I would argue just doesn't work without a suite of mods. Ignoring the suite of mods, it's just it's such an expansive world that was designed in a way to get around. And it's interesting I don't think you can just walk freely in it, can you? I think it uses the teleport uh, mechanic. I uh, know you can walk freely. You can? You can teleport off. Yeah. Huh. Which I do because I do not like the teleport. I understand why you have to have it for people that, you know, don't get over the motion sickness. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's like, like I said, the whole point of VR is to be immersed in the experience. And I feel a little goofy doing the teleport thing. You know, come to think of it with the teleport thing. It would seem like the Dishonored games or Deathloop would be a natural uh, a natural fit for that kind of mechanic. Oh, I would love that. Ooh. Yeah, just, like Blink would just sort of well, work like that. That is Blink. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I could go for that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, well, let's, uh, let's move on to today's discussion question. Uh, and this is, I'm just going to be completely honest, this is a completely self-indulgent question because I've, I've kind of adopted a omniscient while I'm here in New Glasgow. 
And that is my mother is approaching retirement age. Um, and she is a little bit worried about having nothing to do and no real pastimes because my mother is a workaholic. Uh, she works a lot. So last year when I was here, I thought, hey, video games. I like playing video games to pass the time. Maybe she would too. Uh, her entire experience with video games is playing Super Mario Brothers on my NES when I went to bed as a very small child. Um, and she enjoyed it, but it's been a little while. So last year I thought, okay, the best way to get my mom into video games would be to get her to play video games that don't have a lot of movement to them. So I introduced her to adventure games and RPGs. She found RPGs boring and she found herself confused by adventure games. <laughs> so that didn't work. She played, I think, one Professor Layton game uh, and that was it. So this year I came up with the idea that, okay, maybe I'm going to, maybe the problem is it's just not kinetic enough. Maybe she needs some movement. She needs some action. So uh, Amanda was here for a week and we decided to try her out with uh, Mario Kart 8. And that was a crash and burn. <laughs> she, uh, she did not want to have to learn how to drive again. Um, <laughs> which it, it, it was amazing to watch her because, I mean, it's, it's, you think, eh, it's just driving. Here's your pedal. Here's your, nope. Um, and then I decided, okay, let's move on to Super Mario Odyssey. This hit a little bit. She was having fun with Super Mario Odyssey. So I think this is the path we're going to be continuing down for the future. I was thinking about uh, subscribing to Nintendo Online uh, Plus for a month uh, to like get access to some uh, NES and Super Nintendo games to see if that's a little bit more her speed. This is the giant preamble. I was curious uh, for either of you. Have you ever tried to get your parents or family or friends, people who don't play games, into video games? And what was your uh, experience with that? Was it fun? Was it frustrating? Was it successful? Was it a complete failure? Uh, can I give you a quick recommendation first? Please. Uh, the new Kirby game on Switch, I think, has great co-op for like getting people that don't play games into gaming. Mm -hmm. because one of you plays as Kirby who has like all of the complicated Kirby things, right? Like the eating things, getting powers and whatever. But one of you plays as Waddle Dee and Waddle Dee is remarkably uncomplicated. Uh, you just kind of run around and hit things with your spear. Uh, so I think, I think mm -hmm. it's a good way to get people that maybe don't want a lot of mechanics at once uh, to start playing a video game. See, that's an interesting idea. I considered having her play as Cappy uh, because you can play as Cappy, but I, I want her to be actually, let me put it this way. I want her to be able to continue playing after I leave, mm -hmm. but you're right. It might be a, uh, a good way to introduce certain mechanics and certain games. Yeah. Cause he still jumps and fights. So I think there's like, you know, you could move to Kirby and it would not be too complicated, but he gives you just a few mechanics to play with. I might keep that in mind then. And, and Kirby's cute. So, you know, a very approachable game. Uh, well, for my part, um, half of my family does not play video games at all. Um, in fact, uh, half of my family have not always been very supportive of me uh, playing video games, especially when I was uh, when I was a kid. Um, my mom, I didn't actively try to get her into playing. I think she just kind of found herself maybe getting a little bit interested in it because I she would see me playing all the time. Um, 
At one point, she got herself, uh, I think it was just a DS, not a 3DS. Mm -hmm. Um, And she, maybe it was a 3DS. But anyway, it was was one of those. Um, But she didn't really do a whole lot with it. She had like a, um, like some puzzle games. Like one of them is like, was really just like a, a brain teaser game, like one of those uh, train your brain kind of games where it mm-hmm. has you do things like, you know, math based uh, trivia and stuff like that. Um, and I know that she's uh, played like she's she, she's played stuff on Facebook and probably has some games on her phone. Casual um, games. Yeah. Casual games. The game, the kind of games that. If I'm going to be real honest, I don't usually consider myself when I think of, you know, being a gamer, like, I, mm-hmm. which I know sounds horrible. It, those games are fine. If you enjoy playing them, that's cool. But like, it's not the same as like getting a getting her to like, you know, buy a console or or get a computer that can at least do like, you know, low level style yeah. gaming or buy a switch or something like I mean, that. We're, we're- Caitlin, we're an RPG podcast. I'm pretty sure that most people listening are, are sympathetic to your uh, your ideas about casual gaming. Yeah. So, and unfortunately, she dropped that after a while. I'm not even sure if she still has the DS or 3DS or whatever. Uh, she probably got rid of it. Um, uh, she probably does still play like random shit on Facebook, but then again, you know, it's Facebook. I, mm. uh, that's, that's the other thing. I don't really, I don't want to consider Facebook gaming cause it's Facebook. Yeah. Um, cause there's a whole host of problems with the idea of that being your primary mode of gaming is Facebook. It, the point of, I think the point of Facebook gaming isn't to have fun. It's, it's kind of to give them data. Of course, yeah. that's, that's true for basically everything on Facebook. So, um, so that's that's about the closest I have gotten to like influencing someone to start playing games. I have obviously, you know, we're all friends, and I have uh, some of my old high school buddies. Uh, uh, didn't get any of them into playing games we were all independently found that we like playing games um rpgs uh of course uh we were you know we things like final fantasy 7 and tactics when we were in high school mm-hmm. um and so sometimes i recommend games for them and they check them out but they they have played games for a while maybe not quite as as often as i do uh because well in for one of my friends, she's married and has kids, so time is a is a luxury that she does not have that I have more of. Um, yes, but yeah, I don't know. I've never haven't really necessarily had that wonderful experience of introducing someone to the idea of gaming and seeing them really get into it. And I kind of wish that uh, I kind of wish that it would have been cool if my mom had uh, had gotten more into it. I thought for a little while that maybe my little sister might, because she had a friend who had a Switch or has a Switch, and they would sometimes play games together. And I thought that'd be really cool, especially because uh, that's, well, anyway, neither here nor there. But um, sadly, no. I, I, I've not been able to spread my love of games to my immediate family. It's mostly my uh, online friends, a few close in real life friends, and listeners like you who have perhaps been influenced into buying a game by something I've said on this podcast. For which Maybe I, checking out We Are OFK, for yeah, example. I am very humbled by that, and I appreciate it, and I hope that I have not sued anyone wrong in that case. <laughs> yeah, as for me, my parents are, and family members are not into games, but what is interesting is that my dad is into sports, so sometimes I can engage him in 
any of the like competitive multiplayer games I play, if there's an esport, sometimes he's interested in talking about that. Um, I used to be pretty into League of Legends, which I still play sometimes. But whenever uh, the world championships would come out, come around, he would ask about how the how the North American teams are doing, which I always thought was funny. Um, and when I was on the Overwatch team in college, he would watch the games sometimes. I don't think he really understood what he was watching, but I appreciated that he tuned in. Well, I, that support is lovely. I mean, I like that, though, because definitely I've watched real sports, like actual physical sports, where I don't, I'm not sure I understand what's going on. So, like, you know. That's kind of, you know, turnabout. Yeah, that's true. It's it's funny. I am not a jock at all. I do admit I have a, I have a fondness for uh, TV shows and movies that involve sports. Like I am super, super pumped for the uh, uh, A League of Their Own reboot, reboot that's coming out on Amazon Prime uh, because I was a big fan of that movie. And the creator of it is unbelievably great. So it's going to be... Uh, Hopefully it's going to be a good a good film, or I guess it's a good TV show, a bingeable TV show. Yeah, I think it'll be good. I love sports uh, media. Yep. I like sports too. I think like, I think of it as like drama for jocks. Like there's so much drama in the NBA. I love it. I know. I think th- drama for jocks is wrestling. In well, my I love that too. So. Res- <laughs> wrestling, wrestling is for people. Wrestling is for people who don't think they like theater, but they actually do. You just gotta, you gotta gussy it up with some good old fashioned stage combat. No, you're, you're right. There's two types of wrestling fans. There's the ones that know they like theater and there's the ones that do, but say that they don't. Wrestling is like a combination of theater and comic books. I don't like it. I don't watch it, but I totally get the appeal of it, but not really my thing. I mean, there's a YouTuber out there. Uh, his name is uh, Rasputin. He did a series of YouTube videos uh, where he got his wife to play video games and his wife had never played video games before. Uh, really cool series. But one of the points that he makes, which is really interesting, is uh, there's an inherent language of video games, vocabulary, uh, things which folks like us just instinctively know and do without thinking about Whereas somebody like we will play a side scroller, for example, and we will, without even thinking about it, just jump on platforms without, you know, it's easy. It's just, it's second nature to us. Whereas someone who never has before needs to like look at it and be like, okay, what button do I push? Okay. Do I push it for this long? Do I, how long do I, do I have to push in this direction? And that's really hard to learn. And it's a really big barrier in the way of a lot of people enjoying games, which is why I thought to start my mom on adventure games, because that's like, you know, a mouse. It's a point and click adventure game, but it didn't work. So I just really want to play Portal with my mom. Is that just <laughs> such a good thing? I, I love that series that you just mentioned. I think it's so interesting to watch like things that you don't think about being hard for new players, but are like jumping on top of something's head to get rid of it. We just naturally know how to do that. But why would you? If, uh, if nobody told you. Oh yeah. And it's fascinating to watch my mom. I like, I'm not making fun of her at all here because she's never played a 3d game before, but like watching her play Mario and trying to steer Mario to certain objects was fascinating because she's not used to, I mean, she's obviously used to navigating in 3d space. That's the world, but navigating in 3d space outside of yourself. So like if the object was, uh, to Mario's, uh, left and a little bit in front of him, she would either, she'd try to go left and then she'd move back and try to go north, but it wouldn't occur to her to just move the mouse stick up to the left. It, it's, it's really, really fascinating to watch and uh, watch someone learn how to play a video game. Because 
I don't I don't think I've ever learned how to play a video game. I just in my mind, because I've been playing them for so long, I just know how to do it. It's a language that I am fluent in. And someone who isn't, it's it's fascinating to watch them learn. Well, we we all have the or I presumptuous this might be presumptuous of me, but I, most of us I think here at the site have had the advantage of we started playing games when we were when we were kids. Like, yeah. I mean, I started playing on a, a Game Boy when I was like, uh, gosh, maybe nine years old, something like that. So I was definitely really, really young. And it's a lot, you know, the same way they say that it's, you know, it's uh, it's really, it's much easier for children to learn a new language than it is for adults. Oh, yeah. Um, because of the way that their minds are still kind of growing and, and, and forming. So it's easier to to you know get those patterns in there and and ex- expand things a little bit um before they're more set in their ways the same thing i mean i think the fact that we started playing when we were so young we had that experience with like the original super mario brothers or uh, uh for me super mario land where we first got introduced to that concept of that mm. basic mario concept and so then when it came to the transition to 3D, well, that was a little bit of a learning curve for us versus side scrolling, but we we already had that that basic language of this is how a Mario game works, and it's gonna work in a similar way, just with an added dimension there. And then that translates to all sorts of other games that you you might have tried originally on a you know a 16-bit uh system, and then oh, here's 3D, and now we're in virtual reality and uh, stuff like that, but it doesn't mean that you can't get into games and learn games and and play a lot of games just because you never played when you were younger. But I can definitely see how it can it can feel. I'm sure to them like a a, a bit harder or, or or wider of a, a gap that they have to jump in terms of building up that just the muscle memory of like this is how you hold yeah. a controller and this is how you move your fingers when you like have to use the shoulder buttons or use the d-pad instead of the analog stick and you have to push combinations of buttons this is how you're kind of gonna have to move your hand like there's not really a lot that's like the idea of a controller like Obviously, this doesn't apply as much to PC gaming that you can do or you want to do with keyboard and mouse because at least there they have the experience of or hopefully have the experience of using a computer. But a controller especially or like on a handheld device, like if you've never done that before, this is super weird. There's nothing else that they probably would have used that would be like this except for like, I don't know if they ever like had an RV car when they were young or they mm-hmm. have a drone or something and they have that controller and, you know, like my parents didn't do either of that. So I'd imagine if I dropped a, a PS5 control in their hands and told them, here, play this awesome game, they'd be like, huh? How? how? Where do my fingers go? What do I do? And, you know. Absolutely. And I mean, when I talk about my parents playing Super Mario Brothers, back in those days it was a d-pad and two buttons now it's a d-pad two analog sticks four button face buttons four buttons on top like it's a lot to keep track of yeah i was about to say i think that the most popular triple a games that people are likely gonna that are gonna be people's introductions to gaming have legitimately just become more complicated Mm -hmm. like how many games used to be two or three buttons whereas now like you might play like someone's first game might be Assassin's Creed, you know? Oh, boy. <laughs> yep. Okay. Well, it's great then. I'm going to introduce my mother to Doom 2016 tomorrow. 
Uh, we'll see how that goes over. Just um, remind her about the FPS. Just say, look at the FPS, Ma. Look at it. <laughs> I do not have a computer in this house that would actually be able to run Doom 2016, unfortunately. Oh. I don't think I have a computer in this house that would be able to run Portal, which I think I'm actually going to try. Um, I think she'd like Portal. Well, I want to thank you both for uh, indulging me with my question about how to get parents into video games or anyone into video games. Uh, I don't know. I might, you know, in two weeks, we'll see what happens. I will keep the audience informed about how this experiment is going. Um, speaking of, well, actually, this is an experiment. This is just a really, really cool thing. Do you like RPG Fan? If you like RPG Fan, we have big news. We've opened a store. Uh, RPG Fan now has a shop. We sell t-shirts, we sell mugs, we sell magnets, pins, all kinds of things. Uh, if you are at all interested, you can find it at www.rpgfan.com slash shop. Uh, and yeah, take a look because we have some pretty cool stuff on there. I made my order. Uh, like I said, I'm in Nova Scotia, but my t-shirts arrived today. Uh, Amanda took photos of them for me. They look really cool. I cannot wait to put them on. Um, so yeah, that is again, www.rpgfan.com slash shop. Uh, and you can also just link to that off the website if you're on RPG Fan, which if you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance that you are. Um, now this is Random Encounter. We have lots of old episodes of Random Encounter you can check out, but we also have two other podcasts on the show. One of which is Retro Encounter. Uh, this is hosted by Mr. Mike Solosi. This past week, Solosi hosted a sequel to one of the most fun episodes of uh, Retro Encounter, which is Three Truths and a Lie. And this is going to give you an opportunity to get to know uh, the RPG fan staff a little bit better. Uh, it's a lot of fun. So check that out. We also have Rhythm Encounter, which is RPG fans music podcast. Last week was Tropical Island Themes. So if you are kind of wishing that you were on vacation, you might be able to get a little taste of that with the Tropical Island themes. Uh, and next week is a really, really cool idea, which is bad games, but great tunes, because there are a lot of bad RPGs and adventure games out there that have surprisingly good music. So uh, check that out coming out next Monday. And then the Monday after that, we'll be back here. Uh, if you'd like to get in contact with us here at Random Encounter, you can fire us off a message at podcast at rpgfan.com. I would love to hear from you. If you have any suggestions for uh, future episode themes or discussion questions that we do at the end of the show, please fire off a message. We'd just love to hear from you. If you'd like to send me an email, you can do so at jloganrpgfan.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Jono underscore Logan. Uh, I'm not the only person on this podcast who has a virtual presence. Caitlin, where can we find you online? Uh, you can email me at CaitlinA at RPGfan.com. Cool. And Brian, where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter at badgerbarian i never get tired of that i it just it's just like my favorite username ever i just love it um if you enjoyed this podcast please share it with your friends you can help us get the word out there and you can rate us on itunes or your other podcast players of choice uh caitlin and brian i'd like to thank you very much for giving me your evening and talking about these games with me uh i think that we are ofk sounds like it could be really something special runes mega sounds like it might be the foundation of something special so thank you both for giving me your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, always happy to be on. And uh, I would like to thank you, the audience, for joining us this evening. And whatever you are playing, have fun. <laughs>